Chris Roseborough here, just to let you know what it is that you're listening to. This is a compilation of two things uh, pertaining to, um, well, my threatened arrest for trespass at the Elephant Room Conference today. One is the opening monologue of today's edition of Fighting for the Faith, and the second, right after it, is uh, my interview this afternoon on the Issues Etc. radio program. I hope you find this informative. Enjoy. It's time for another edition of Fighting for the Faith. Wednesday, January 25th, 2012. I did not expect to be in studio. In fact, I'm not doing a full program today. Details forthcoming. Thank you for tuning in. You're listening to Fighting for the Faith. My name is Chris Roseborough, and I am your servant in Jesus Christ, and this is the program that dishes up a daily dose of biblical discernment, the goal of which, help you to think biblically, help you to think critically, and help you compare what people are saying in the name of God to the Word of God. There is no shortage of crazy things being said out there, which at the moment is guaranteeing that I have all kinds of job security. Anyway, um, if you've been following me on Facebook and Twitter, then you know that today has been a day of controversy. And I'm going to talk about it briefly, and then I'm going to segue into what, well, what the program's going to be today. Um, I had originally pre-recorded a program uh, for today's edition of Fighting for the Faith with the idea that uh, I had, uh, uh, well, had made the trip to attend the Elephant Room Conference, and uh, the the site that I had selected to attend it at was at uh, in Rolling Hills at Harvest Bible Chapel. So the idea was today I would be out of studio and we would play a light edition of Fighting for the Faith. My ho- my goal was to go and, well, watch and see what happened. Listen and take notes so that I can report on it on tomorrow's edition of Fighting for the Faith. Well, sometimes, how's the saying go, the best laid plans of mice and men? Yeah, well, anyway, um, so here's the deal. Um, yeah, well, I registered in my name, you know, Chris Roseborough with, you know, my... <laughs> And, uh, and uh, you know, I had fa- discovered that a, a blogger friend of mine from the Chicago area was also going to be in attendance. And so we decided that, you know, we would, uh, you know, attend together and take notes and compare notes and stuff like that. And uh, when we arrived, um, <laughs> we walked in to the uh, Elephant Room Conference and the sec- there's a security guy there. And, <laughs> man, this guy... <laughs> He was the security dude. Let's just put it that way. He had the look. He had the build. He had the stern face. He had the... And as soon as I walked in, he recognized me. (laughs) I said to my friend, "Uh uh-oh, we've been had. And, uh, you know, they've they've recognized us. And sure enough, uh, you know, know, bada-bing, bada-boom, we were... (laughs) escorted to the side of the lobby and uh, told by one of the elders there at uh, Harvest Bible Chapel that our registration had been revoked, that our money would be refunded, and that uh, we were to leave the premises immediately, and that uh, we would not be allowed, and don't even think about coming back and trying to sneak in. (laughs) That's what they said. And so it's like, oh, okay. 
So, um, you know, we went out to the parking lot and we were um, sitting in the car asking, well, what do we do now? And I noticed that the elder had come out of the building and uh, was ensuring that we <laughs> were going to leave the premises. Not enough that we had left the building. They wanted us off the property. And so I called up a friend of mine, Ken Silva, called him on the phone and I, and I had, I had my uh, iPhone. And so I put my earbuds in. I said, Ken, I, I need you to listen to this conversation. So I have a witness. And so I walked up to the, uh, uh, the elder and I said, you know, listen, um, I think you're making a mistake. You know, I really think you're, 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 you're making a big, big mistake. You know, because I'm a member of the media. And if you're going to turn me away and not even let me come here to, you know, one of the multi-sites for the event and, you know, listen and take notes and report on it, um, then I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to break the story to the wider body of Christ. And um, he basically said, so you're threatening me. And I said, no, I'm not threatening you. I'm promising that if you're going to continue down this way, that I'm, I have no choice but to report the fact that you've, you know, you know, basically forbidden me from attending the uh, elephant room and he says so you're threatening me it's like no i'm not threatening you i'm promising to break the story there's a difference and he ba the conversation at that point ended uh he basically said to me we've already called the police and if you don't get off of our property we're going to have you arrested for trespassing and it was pretty clear at that point that the conversation was over. And so I left the um, the parking lot, left the uh, the venue, and uh, proceeded back to Indianapolis from Chicago. Just because, you know, I love, you know, um, you know, wasting gas and, you know, putting miles on my truck and stuff like that. So that's what happened. Now, basically, what does this prove? Okay, listen. Okay, the elephant... Room conference was billed as a toe-to-toe, -to -toe, combative, we're going to have the tough conversations, two guys, you guys on two sides of the same issue, asking the tough questions and stuff like that. It's not that at all, okay? Plain and simple. The Elephant Room Conference is a theodrama to create the air, the impression of tough conversation. But the reality is, is that if it was really about tough conversation and really hashing the issues out then there would be substantive conversation from people who had substantive disagreements on these issues. Uh, they would invite guys like myself or Phil Johnson to sit across you know, the table from guys like Stephen Furtick and Mark Driscoll and James McDonald and others so that these issues can be hashed out. But th see, the reality is this. The only people who were invited to the Elephant Room Conference were people who, well, they already agree with what these guys are doing and, they, and they're participating in the same kind of uh, uh, methodologies and even theology. And so, you know, this was an in-house um, theodrama to create the air of controversy, but th think of it this way. Have you all ever watched uh, NBC's uh, television comedy called The Office? It's it's a hilarious program, and, and you know, there's some, you know, I like the first couple of seasons. I haven't really watched it after that, but one of the things that struck me about that particular comedy is, is that the way it's filmed, it's filmed as if it's a reality TV show. But it's not a reality TV show. It's a scripted comedy. So it's not reality TV, but it's made to look like it's reality TV. So that's the idea behind the elephant room. The elephant room, you know, is it's it's falsely advertising itself as a real conversation, as real controversy, as real hard hitting. It's not. It's a scripted theodrama. 
designed to look like reality TV, just the same way that The Office looks like reality TV. But it's not. It's not. It's scripted. And so, I mean, it's perfectly – hey, listen – they can do whatever they want with their conference. They want to have a conference where they talk amongst themselves and create the impression that they're having substantive, you know, uh, deep theological, you know, conversations that are controversial. They can do anything they want with their time on their premises or whatever. But the reality is this. You don't have to believe it because if it was really true that they were really about having substantive conversation about really having the issues discussed in depth you know so that they are out on the table well they wouldn't um, have escorted me off of the premises i think the reality is this is that they were not too thrilled with um the um well my analysis of the code orange revival and stephen furtick's you know what do we call it the 2012 heresy olympics i don't i think they're 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 not thrilled with the critique that i've been offering and uh, and as a result of it, you know, I'm not welcome at their parties anymore. That's perfectly fine. They can invite who they want to invite at their parties. But I'm going to continue to point out the fact that that wasn't substantive biblical conversation that we heard going on at the uh, Elephant Room. That was a scripted theodrama designed to look like reality TV, and it wasn't. So... Plain and simple. They can sit there and say, oh, they're all about the controversy, all about the conversation. We're going to really do this. We're going to go toe-to-toe. No, they're not. That wasn't even a sparring match. From the looks of it, I mean, they sat down and scripted this whole thing out, and they have an agenda. Create unity. Just can't we all just get along? Can't we all just put away our theological differences and just give each other a big hug? Yeah, no, I've got some serious theological issues with their methods and their messages. And you know what? They don't have to talk to me. There's no law that says they have to. But then again, there's no law that says I have to remain silent either because I wasn't arrested. And so I don't have to exercise my right to remain silent, and I won't. Anyway, let's talk about what we got on deck for you for today's edition of Fighting for the Faith. Again, I pre-recorded, you know, a portion of this so that it would be ready to go, thinking that I would be out of the studio uh, at the Elephant Room, and, well, things are a little bit different. So for today's edition of Fighting for the Faith, it's a light edition, and I've selected a fine philosophical apologetic lecture. Yes, that's right. For those of you who love, you know, sitting in your mom's basement, eating Cheetos on a beanbag and, uh, and going to Star Trek conventions, yes, we've got one of these dry theological apologetic philosophy lectures for you. <laughs> By the way, it's a great lecture. It's worth uh, listening to. By uh, Ken Samples and uh, his academy lectures at Christ Reformed Church in Anaheim, California. The name of the lecture is Abductive Reasoning and Inference to the Best Explanation. It's a fine apologetic lecture for our light edition of Fighting for the Faith today. I hope you enjoy it. And uh, just so you know, there's not going to be any interruptions. You go ahead and listen to it, and uh, we will uh, pick up this story regarding the elephant room tomorrow uh with uh with you know we'll be debriefing a little bit more about it including um, i'm hoping to have aaron benziger on the program uh to discuss because she was the other person who was escorted out along with me so anyway i was looking through uh the news feed on facebook earlier today and i saw that there are several people 
who are attending the Elephant in the Room conference in Illinois. It's a conference of various leading lights in the church today, the kind of the bright lights. Uh, but Stephen Furtick, one of them, and several others there that we talked about in the previous hour. And and they're blogging live from this conference, which is nowadays that's kind of what you expect. You get some kind of real-time coverage of these conferences and see what they're saying there, the good, the bad, and the ugly. And the Elephant in the Room conference is designed to be one of these places where all opinions are heard openly and no one's excluded from the conversation, with the exception, apparently – of our guest for the next half hour of the program. He's one of our uh, listeners' favorite guests, Chris Rosebro. He has a degree in religious studies from Concordia University, California, and he's host of the daily Internet radio program called Fighting for the Faith. Chris, welcome back to Issues Etc. Thanks for having me on, Todd. Why aren't you at the Elephant in the Room conference right now? Because uh, I was escorted off the property. <laughs> Did you cause a ruckus? Did you bring a firearm why were you escorted off no no firearms no ruckus um i was uh i registered to attend the conference and i uh paid the money to attend one of their satellite conferences i you know i i wasn't going to pay the the money to uh, go to the live site and uh you know figured you know i would just sit there take notes and uh and then a, a report on the conference uh on tomorrow's edition of fighting for the faith and you know because it, you know it's a big it's a big conference in evangelicalism. However, I'm an outspoken critic of a lot of the methodologies and um, preaching of uh, seeker-driven pastors. And apparently, my uh, um, <clears throat> my reputation has preceded me. And so when I you know I was uh, attending the conference with a colleague of mine who's also a uh, she's a blogger and a um, student at the Master Seminary. And as soon as we walked into the lobby, um, the security guard identified me, and uh, we were quickly um, kind of escorted off to the side of the lobby and uh, then had a conversation with uh, one of the elders from the uh, the church where we were told that um, our registrations to attend the Elephant in the Room conference had been um, revoked and uh, we were to leave the premises immediately. And uh, so we went out into the parking lot and, you know, kind of figuring out, well, what are we going to do? And uh, while we were, you know, you know, sitting in the car kind of talking about, you know, what's next, I noticed that that elder came out into the parking lot to ensure that we, you know, absolutely left the premises. And so I got on my phone and I called a friend of mine and I said, I need you to listen to this conversation because I'm going to need a, a witness as to what what it is that is going to take place. So I walked up to the elder and I said, listen, I really think you're making a mistake. And the reason I say that is because I'm a member of the media. And, um, you know, I if you're not going to let me attend a conference that I've paid money to that's supposedly about having uh, toe-to-toe conversations about tough topics where people take opposing sides. I mean, I'm not even, a, I'm not, wasn't even going to be a speaker there. I was, you know, I was just there to sit and listen and report. I said, if you do this, then, you know, you know, I'm going to have to break the story to, you know, the greater church at large and use my platform to talk about it. He then immediately said, well, 
I appreciate you threatening me. And I said, no, no, I don't think you're hearing me right. I'm, I'm not threatening you with anything. I'm telling you as a member of the media in, in, and a member of the Christian church, it's my responsibility to break this story that you're not going to let me attend. And he says, you're threatening me. I said, no, no, I'm not threatening you. I'm promising to break the story. He says, he said, we've already called the police, and if you do not get off our property right now, we will arrest, have you arrested for trespassing. And that was the end of the conversation. Now, again, this conference is specifically presented as a place where differing views, and you weren't even actually going to say anything, you were just attending to listen and report, where differing mm -hmm. views were going to have an open air and to be heard on all sides, right? That's correct. I take it this is the first time that you've been refused attendance at one of these conferences. No, actually, this is the second year in a row I've been uninvited front, uh, to the Elephant in the Room conference. Last year, I had applied to attend the uh, the elephant in the original Elephant in the Room on a media pass, and my media pass had been accepted. And then the night before the Elephant in the Room conference, I was notified by email that uh, my media pass had been revoked and that I would not be uh, permitted to attend. The conference at all, and when I asked if I, you know, well, then I can just register online and attend, I was told that uh, I shouldn't do that. So last year I was also, um, well, forbidden to attend the Elephant in the Room conference. What is it that they are concerned about, that they don't want you there? That, you know, that's a good question, because one of the things I've noticed about the seeker-driven leaders is that they are not open to, in fact, they spend a lot of time and effort to keep and shunt away uh, any substantive theological and biblical conversation regarding their methodologies and their preaching and what they're doing in these megachurches. And, you know, I'll give you an example. On, on, uh, you know, you, 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 as you're familiar with, the, the blogosphere can be kind of a, uh, um, a lively place for discussion to take place. But what I've noticed about the uh, seeker-driven guys is that they spend an inordinate amount of time. Basically, anybody who critiques them, they liken them, you know, they, they engage in ad hominem arguments. So like on August 18th, uh, James McDonald himself, the guy who's hosting the Elephant in the Room conference, said this on Twitter. He says, why are so many reform folks like Nazis? They're filled with insecurity and harshness over every perceived threat of less than total conform conformity. Now, the odd thing about a tweet like that is that he's actually engaging in the very behavior that he's accusing reformed folks of engaging in and you know and then uh there was a, a friend of mine from the united kingdom he, uh during the uh, code orange revival he wrote a substantive and thoughtful uh review of td jake's sermon that he presented at the code orange uh revival last week and uh, bishop td jake's and james mcdonald retweeted a tweet that basically said that the guy who wrote that uh, blog post is uh, 42 years old, live, lives with his mom, goes to Star Trek conventions, and has no girlfriend. And I mean, and nothing could be further from the truth. Uh, you know, the, the gentleman who wrote that, his name is Daniel Needs. He's a very successful entrepreneur in the UK. He has a lovely wife, and he does watch uh, Star Trek on occasion, but he doesn't go to Star Trek uh, conventions. And so, what we see over and again from the seeker driven guys is that they spend a lot of time making sure that they do not have to answer substantive theological and doctrinal questions 
regarding their methodology and their preaching and what's going on in these megachurches. And uh, since I'm an outspoken critic of this movement, um, it's clear that they really are not interested in having a conversation with me, but more or less accusing me of trying to be divisive and not being loving and stuff like that. But yet, I don't think calling critics Nazis or uh, bloggers who live in their mom's basements and go to Star Trek conventions uh, does anything towards, um, well, having substantive conversation or promoting unity within the body of Christ. So who are some of the speakers at these Elephant in the Room conferences? You mentioned James McDonald. He's hosting mm -hmm. the current one. Who else? Um, well, last year uh, it, it, uh, it included guys like Mark Driscoll, Stephen Furtick, Perry Noble, um, uh, Greg Laurie was there last year. This year, um, uh, Stephen Furtick came back, Mark Driscoll came back, James McDonald was back, and as well as uh, T.D. Jakes, uh, Wayne Cordero, um, and, uh, and, a, and a, a couple other guys who I'm not all that familiar with. But the one thing that's notable is, is that pretty much everybody who's invited to the Elephant in the Room conference is in the same camp methodologically as the seeker-driven movement. They're not inviting true people, uh, people who have true substantive biblical critiques of their methodologies. Instead, they're having a conversation with the people on their end of the spectrum, and they're keeping out anybody, uh, you know, they're, they're keeping out critics who would take an opposing view and have a substantive biblical critique. All right, um... I guess I got to wonder, you have had actually other experience with some uh, some very major seeker-driven leaders. In uh, the, the one I think of in particular is Rick Warren, who is far mm -hmm. more accommodating to questions and critique. I mean, he still kind of bristles at it, uh, especially on Twitter. Uh, but uh, he, at least in your case, and I think Tim Kelly's case, wasn't he far more accommodating with you guys? Right, yeah. Rick Warren, you know, uh, you know, whatever you think of Rick Warren theologically, the one thing he is is that he is a gracious host and, and he's a likable guy. And uh, he actually makes a point of reaching out to critics and at least giving them the ability to air their grievances. He may not do anything about it. He may continue to think that you're just, you know, uh, you know, uh, you know about as sharp as a bag full of wet mice. But regardless, he at least gives uh, uh, his critics the ability to air their opinions. At least he's done that in the past. These, 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 new, these other guys, I mean, they spend an inordinate amount of time making sure that you don't listen, that they don't have to listen to you, and actually make a point of saying they don't allow people like me, you know, a blogger or a, you know, or whatever, to to speak into their lives because in, in order for you know they basically basically in order to speak into their lives, you have to agree. That that they've received a vision from God to do what they're doing. And if you're questioning that, that vision, they don't, want to have, they don't want to hear from you. All right. When we come back, I want to talk more about that because this idea, boy, is it dangerous that somehow I've received a personal vision from God, a personal revelation from God. And if anyone questions it or wants to critique it or um, in any way questions what it has to say or what I think it has to say, What's the only conclusion you can draw? Well, they're questioning the Word of God, aren't they? I mean, if I've heard from God, if he's given me a vision, and if God has told me something, then if Chris Rosebro questions that, he's not speaking for God. He's got to be speaking for the devil. It's a whole different twist in the seeker-sensitive movement. Talk more about it with Chris Rosebro after this.
if any former evangelicals are hearing me speak right now, I want to assure you, you don't have to be a homeless Christian. If you would go to issuesetc.org, look on their website, you'll find a list of churches. Find one close to you and attend that church. There, you can receive the true gospel. You don't have to be a homeless Christian, and they will not call you a backslider. To find a church near you, go to issuesetc.org and click Find a Church. Thanks for supporting the worldwide outreach of Issues Etc. through the charitable grant program Thrivent Choice. We received more than $15,000 last year through Thrivent Choice. Our goal this year is to raise more than $20,000 through Thrivent Choice. For more information on how you can designate funds to Lutheran Public Radio, look for the Thrivent logo under the donate page at issuesetc.org. Please support Issues Etc. in 2012 with Thrivent Choice. Talk Radio for Recovering Evangelicals. You're listening to Issues Etc. Good news for Ohio babies. This is a special commentary from the Susan B. Anthony List, named for the suffragette who was proudly pro-life. Ohio Governor John Kasich recently signed legislation banning late-term abortions in the Buckeye State. Prior to this law, doctors could abort babies literally up until the moment of birth. Now physicians will be required to test the viability of any unborn baby after 20 weeks. Those deemed able to live on the outside cannot be aborted. While exceptions are made for a mother's physical health, mental health exceptions will not be allowed. This is especially good news since research shows that abortions can pose mental health risks. The new law is expected to save 700 Ohio babies per year. This is Marjorie Dannenfelser, president of the Susan B. Anthony List. To join us in our battle for life, visit our website at sba-list.org. Welcome back to Issues Etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. It's Wednesday afternoon, January the 25th. Chris Rosebro is our guest of Fighting for the Faith. We're talking about the intolerance of the latest wave of seeker-driven Leaders. He was recently asked to leave and threatened with arrest and trespassing charges when he tried to attend the Elephant in the Room conference, the satellite of the Elephant in the Room conference in Illinois. In fact, that happened just today, if I'm not mistaken. Chris, you obviously will not have an opportunity at the Elephant in the Room conference to ask any questions or to raise any objections. But have you in the past with the uh, the seeker-driven leaders, this leading wave of the seeker-driven leaders, have you had a chance to interact with any of them to raise your objections or criticisms? Yes, I have actually. I I, uh, I attended a conference a few years ago where Stephen Furtick was one of the uh, the the main speakers, and I attended a breakout session that he did regarding kind of like the nuts and bolts of church planning. You know, things regarding pipe draping and you know some of the the more behind the scenes type of stuff. And before his breakout session, I actually had an opportunity to approach him. And uh, and I asked him a question. Uh, you know, I, one of the things I asked him, I said that you know, listen, I listened to your sermons, and I noticed that you don't actually preach the gospel to the Christians uh, who attend your church, but you you make a point of you know at least trying to preach something like the gospel to the uh, non-believers who might show up at your congregation. Can you explain to me why that is? And uh, rather than answer the question, um, he made a motion with his hand, and I ended up having a conversation with. Uh, his security guards and that and they let me know that the conversation at that point was over and so um, on one other occasion though he did reach out to me and we had a, a pretty much a one-way conversation I had done a positive sermon review of a sermon that he did that I thought actually 
was a, a pretty good sermon, and so he reached out to me after that. Um, wouldn't let me dialogue with him, just kind of wanted to sh- send, a, send a message to me. But um, the one thing I've noticed about these guys is that when they get you on the phone, they're very abrupt and uh, tried, they don't really want to hear what you have to say, but they want you to hear what they have to say. The conversation never really goes two ways. And I think the Elephant Room Conference today is really indicative of what's really one of the problems there in the seeker-driven movement is these guys want to just continue headlong doing what they're doing and uh, demean and engage in ad hominem attacks about people who have really some substantive uh, criticisms and concerns about what it is they're doing and saying. Finally, then, do you think it is because they sincerely believe that the vision they have for the future of their congregation or other congregations is theirs by divine revelation. Yes, absolutely. That's a, that's a, one of the major cornerstones of seeker-driven methodology. It's what they call vision casting. It's where a seeker-driven pastor makes himself worthy to receive a vision from God by prayer and fasting and showing God that he's serious about receiving a vision. Uh, Blackerby is, uh, is kind of the basis of this, this idea. And then God gives a vision to the pastor of what he wants them to do in, in that particular town in that, you know, and you know, do things a particular way. And then his job is to cast the vision to his leadership team, who then is responsible for making that vision come about. So if you're challenging what they're doing in their way of thinking, you are actually challenging God, and you're going against him. And that's how they treat people. They are sinning by even questioning and challenging what they're doing. And I think that's part of the reason why, a major reason why, uh, uh, we're seeing behavior like this from them year in and year out. And, you know, what we saw at the Elephant Room is just one more piece of evidence in an ongoing train of evidence that these guys are not willing to hear criticism and think that you're, uh, you're challenging God himself by challenging what they're doing. Chris Rosebro has a degree in religious studies from Concordia University, California. He's host of a daily Internet radio show called Fighting for the Faith. You can hear it on piratechristianradio.com in about 25 minutes. Chris, thank you very much for being our guest. Thank you.